What a great thing it is to be a part of the family of God. Amen. I feel privileged to be able to pastor such a wonderful, awesome group of people. Amen. What a joy. What a great joy it is uh, to be able to just be associated with uh, the people of God. One thing I learned early on is that God loves his people. Amen. If you want to get in the will of God and get in line with what God is doing, then fall in love with the people of God because that's what God loves. Amen. You're going to be in his will. You're going to be lined up with what his uh, joy is on this earth is his church. Amen. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. We turn your attention to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30. We're reading uh, a few verses in your hearing uh, through verse 33. And the context is the children of Israel that were uh, on the eve, just on the verge of taking the promised land. And um, they had been delivered out of Egypt and they had come through the wilderness and they were just on the verge of taking the promised land and they had sent 12 spies into the land to sort of spy out the land as they would make their way uh, over the Jordan River and into this promised land. But they ran into some problems. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 30, And Caleb, who was one of the twelve spies, stilled the people, calmed them down before Moses, and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak. Now it's important to remember the people that intimidated them were the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. Our subject this morning is simply this, I am not a grasshopper. Would you turn to your neighbor and say, I am not a grasshopper. Amen. God bless you and you may be seated. It had not been that long, most... Um, Theologians, historians feel like it was somewhere between a year and a year and a half. It had not been that long that the children of Israel had been delivered from Egypt and they had come through the Red Sea and, and Mount Sinai and, and, and all the things that had happened as they made their way to this promised land. It was never the intention of God for the children of Israel to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. When they had come out of Egypt where they had been slaves for 400 years, they were making their way across this Sinai desert and they were coming into what we know today to be the fertile soil of the Middle East on the banks of the Mediterranean Sea in between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea, which is still to this day very lush and filled with 
uh, all sorts of, of fruit and vegetables. And in the middle of the desert, it's, it's just a, a beautiful oasis. It was never the intention of God for the children of Israel, some uh, two to four million people, to wander in the wilderness. They, they had come there to this place where they were about ready to take this promised land. And so they sent out 12 spies, 12 men of renown throughout of Israel and they were to spy out the land and of those 12 spies there were two a man by the name of Joshua and a man by the name of Caleb who were men of faith and when they went into the land they had 10 spies that came back with a negative report and they said yes the land is full of uh, wild honey and clusters of grapes and and it is a land that floweth with milk and honey as we have been promised but there is a problem. There are giants that are in the land. The land literally devours the people. They saw it almost as a trap. Because there are these obstacles, these giants, these sons of Anak that are monsters. They are huge. They are warriors. And we are but grasshoppers. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. I put as a subtitle to this message today, the mindset of the miraculous, because many times what you and I receive or don't receive from God is directly dependent upon our mindset. If you see yourself as a loser, other people will see you as a loser. If you see yourself as a grasshopper, other people will see you as a grasshopper. But if you say, I am an overcomer, I am a child of God, I am nothing on my own, but I have a heavenly Father who owns the cattle of a thousand hills, who sits upon the circle of the earth, whose heaven is his throne, and earth is his footstool, and I am his child. And I rise today to tell you that nothing is impossible unto you. But they said, we are but grasshoppers. Now, you must go back and try to figure out where this mentality came from because this mentality directly affected this generation to the point where the Lord could not even allow them to go into the promised land because they had this grasshopper mentality. And it, I know it goes back because of the pain of 400 years of slavery and the pain of, of the whips from the Egyptians that would beat them down and tell them that they were scum and they were horrible and they were terrible people and they were nothing but animals. And, and I know that's where that mindset came, but they had a God that had brought them through the Red Sea. And there had to be a deliverance, though they had been delivered physically. They were still trapped emotionally and mentally. And they couldn't see themselves as being overcomers. They couldn't see themselves as defeating giants. All they could see is, we are grasshoppers. They struggled with this belief that God would come through for them. They, they had been through the Red Sea, Mount Sinai, manna in the wilderness, water from the rock, quail from the sky, victory from the Amalekites. But still, they struggled with this identity of slaves. They struggled with their thinking, their mindset. It made them difficult for God to bless them and to give them a, a bountiful blessing because of their mentality. This was the moment. This is now the time that it comes that they are to take the land. This is the land that flows with milk and honey. This is the land 
land that they had dreamed about when they would come home with open wounds from the Egyptians' whips that had scarred their backs. And they would sit in the dark with their families. And they would tell stories to their children that one day their God would deliver them. And they would take this land that flowed with milk and honey. And their children would sit with big eyes and wild imaginations. And they would tell them, there's a land coming, gang, where there's a river that overflows from its banks. And there are dates and pomegranates that are without number. And God is going to give us this land. And here they were on the edge of their promise. But their mindset held them in a state of paralysis. In fact, Numbers 14 says that they said, At this moment, let us make a captain and take us back to Egypt. Let us put a new captain in place. Because Moses has got us out here chasing some kind of a dream. We want a new leader. We want a leader that will take us back to Egypt. What drives people to make such irrational conclusions? Joshua and Caleb interceded with them, but the Bible says they took up stones to kill Caleb and Joshua. They were still in bondage. Moses had tried. He took them down to the banks of the Red Sea after God had delivered them and they had defeated the elite Egyptian army through God's help with the opening up of this Red Sea and the waters closing back on them again. Many, many, many months before, they had seen this mighty God open up an entire sea and they had seen this happen. And Moses, knowing that there was still going to be a challenge, though they were on the other side of the Red Sea, though the Egyptian army had been destroyed, he knew that there would be this challenge. So he took the people, the children of Israel, down to the banks. And he said, I want you faces of these dead soldiers that have drowned in this great sea. And as they would wash back up on the banks, he brought them down. And the Bible tells us this. And he put them down there. And he said, I want you to look at their faces. These soldiers that have held you in torment. These soldiers that have held you in bondage. I want you to look at them. We've got other trials ahead of us. And we've got other trouble before us. But I can see Moses shouting, maybe from the top of a rock somewhere. Look at their faces. Because from this day forward, you will see their faces no more. I've come to preach to somebody in this building today. It's time to say goodbye to fear. Things that have tormented you in your past. Things that have tormented you when the lights are down and it's dark and the enemy comes at you and says, you'll never get away. I own you. You'll always be hooked on that. You'll always be addicted to that. There's no way. You can get down there and get baptized in Jesus' name if you want to. You can get down there and shout with those people in that church if you want to. But when you walk out that door, you belong to me. I'm going to tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, the battle is in the mind. But I rise today to say to this great congregation of people, you're not just a slave to sin. You're not just a grasshopper you're an overcomer you've got a god hallelujah that robed himself in flesh and went to the cross called calvary and shed his blood why so that you could be an overcomer they couldn't they couldn't break free from this mentality they took the egyptians religion with them Resorting back to it as Moses lingered on Mount Sinai, building a golden calf and dancing around it in a pagan ritual that was filled with immorality and debauchery. They couldn't break free from it. More than once Moses wanted to kill him. Even God wanted to kill him. And in a way, they expected to be killed. Because in their minds, they were just grasshoppers. Insects that were to be smashed. 
stepped on, just an irritant in society. They fully expected it. They saw themselves as that. That's just one reason why I believe that the Bible says that if you hurt one of these children, it's better that there be a millstone tied around your neck and you throw it into the sea. You know why? Because from zero to five years old, there's an imprint that happens on these children's minds and their hearts. That's why these Sunday school teachers that work tirelessly every Sunday, Sunday in and Sunday out, you ought to find a Sunday school teacher and you ought to thank them that they're teaching your children about what it is to be an overcomer. This world will tell them they're grasshoppers. This world will tell them they're nothing but children and they're sinners. But I've come to tell somebody today that every child of God, every child in stature, every child physically, spiritually, and emotionally is still an overcomer and a giant in the eyes of God. We were over in Uganda, over there, if you live to be 40 years old, you're an old man. You're an elder in the community. And I watched all these children, and, and we were there to have a crusade, and, and the children would gather around the front, and the children were taking care of other children. There would be like a seven-year-old girl that would have a, a two-year-old girl on her back and another girl in her arm, and the kids were raising kids. And... Uh, they were just because of the conditions of the, they live in and the water and all these things. And, and I, I was talking to a friend of mine before service this morning. And I said, if you've got a problem, if you're having a hard time living a life of joy, you need to go visit some third world countries. I got, I feel the Holy Ghost. You say, well, the things just hadn't happened right and things aren't working. You ought to go and see what it is when 1,500 families live in the city dump and they attack the garbage trucks when they go. You realize you've never had a bad day. You realize you're not a grasshopper. You realize that God has loved you and favored you from the moment you were born. And I watched them in Uganda as some of the people shooed away the kids and said, no, 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 y'all get out. And Brother Sims and I, he, wait, he went with me. We went down there and we said, no, 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 we stopped the people. We said, no, 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 don't push the kids away. In that culture, the kids are disposable because it's survival of the fittest. But we said, no, 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 no. This is God. This is God's kingdom. Children don't belong in the back. We don't shoo away the kids. Bring them down to the front. They're not grasshoppers. They're not grasshoppers. This is God's church. This is God's people. We live in a culture that says that if you believe in the principles of the word of God, your opinion don't count. Your voice don't count. I've come to tell you that the giants of this society are men and women that love God and live by biblical principles. I care not what ABC News says. I care not what New York City or Washington, D.C. or Los Angeles or Hollywood says. I tell you today that God is a God that's raising up a church of the name of Jesus. And you're the people that hold the fabric of this nation together. Men and women that will raise their families in the fear of God. The 
the frustration. The frustration. The frustration. The frustration of their leaders was not lost on the fact they could not get a mindset for God to use them for the miraculous. Because ladies and gentlemen, if your mindset is that of a grasshopper, there is nothing that man can do for you. You alone have to change your mindset. God can do it. That's why the Bible says in Romans, I believe it's the 12th chapter, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing. Would you say renewing? By the renewing of your mind. You've got to renew your mind. You've got to renew your mind. I don't see how God's going to do it. I don't know how God's going to give us this land. I don't know how God's going to give me victory. I don't know how God, I feel the Holy Ghost. I don't know how God's going to give me a new job. I don't know how God's going to save my family. But I serve a mighty God. I feel victory in the house today. Somebody's going to rise up and get a new mindset. He has made you the head and not the tail. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Jesus. This type of my this type of grasshopper mindset is so troubling to God. That God told Moses to step aside, he'd kill them all. It's what God says. You don't believe it, read your Bible. He'd kill them all, and he'd raise up an even greater people that would be under Moses. And Moses pleaded with God. He said, oh great God, they will hear about this in Egypt. And they will say, what kind of God did they serve that could not bring them into the promised land? Spare them, oh God. Look beyond their iniquity for the sake of your glory. And then the Lord said to them in Numbers 14 and 21, that is truly as I live. My, anytime God prefaces any statement with this, this statement... But as truly as I live. I I feel like I got to stay there for just a moment. If you don't know anything else, you ought to know that God is alive. If you don't have a mindset from the miraculous and you're worried about the sons of Anak and the giants that are in your day and in your future, you ought to know this. My God is alive. He created me and breathed into me the breath of life. I wish we'd sing them old songs like maybe I'm just feeling nostalgic today. But when I was a kid, we used to think, God's not dead, He's alive. Feel Him in my hands. 
I feel them in my feet. I feel them in my heart. And we used to go boom, boom. Because that's what your heart ought to do in the presence of God. You ought not to be flatlined when you're in the house of God. There ought to be some boom, boom. There ought to be some excitement. There ought to be some joy. There ought to be something that speeds your heart up. Because I'm in the presence of my creator. I'm in the presence of my redeemer. I feel it all over me. God's not dead. He's alive. I don't apologize for being passionate. I don't apologize for being emotional. I don't apologize that I got a God that loved me when the world said you're a grasshopper. God said I can use you. sing it every day to our kids. God's not dead. He's alive. I feel him in my hands. I feel him in my feet. God's not dead. He's alive. You say, why is that important? Because as long as God's not dead, I'm not a grasshopper. (laughs) As long as God is alive, I'm a living soul. As long as God is alive, there's hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. As long as God's not dead, there's a promised land that's in my future. But as truly as I live, the Lord said, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men, referring to the children of Israel, which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times. God's even keeping count, keeping track. Tempted me now these ten times. How did the people of Israel tempt God? Because of their lack of faith. Because of their mindset of being a grasshopper. These ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. God's wanting you to believe in spite of your circumstances. I said God's wanting you to believe in spite of what you see. They've not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers. Neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But, but... But God always finds a people somewhere. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him. Good God Almighty. He had another spirit with him. Put it up there, Mark. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. But my servant Caleb... Because he had another spirit with him. Now here's where we're going. And hath followed me. See, if you think you're a grasshopper, you're only following him partially. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you dress. I don't care how many crosses you hang around your neck or how many bumper stickers you've got on your car. If you don't believe that God has made you for something more than just a marked time, you're not fully following him. Caleb. I want to just call him crazy Caleb. 
Because they thought he was crazy. Caleb had another spirit and he had followed me fully. Because you know what Caleb, Caleb said? You may think you're a grasshopper, but I'm a champion. And if I got to be a champion all by myself. <laughs> God said, I like him. I want to say to this congregation, if nobody else in your school or in your home thinks that you're a champion, guess what? There's only one opinion that matters. Paul said, even so do I speak, not as pleasing man, but pleasing God, which tried my heart. I want to tell God today, I thank you, Lord. You created me more than just to be a grasshopper. You serve with a calling and a destiny. And it's that same for every single human being, regardless of their past, regardless of the pain. You are not a grasshopper. Caleb had another spirit. Something was different about Joshua and Cain. They had a different spirit, a different mindset, different from all the others. What kind of mindset did they have? Something very revealing is in this text. And when you go back to Numbers 13, and you read verse 33, I read it to you in our text as we started this morning. They said, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so, everybody say, and so. And so, we were in their sight. You see, because we saw ourselves as grasshoppers, they saw us as grasshoppers. So all I got to do is change the way I see myself. I don't see myself as a grasshopper. This is what made Caleb and Joshua different. They said, we don't buy in to the mindset that you have. We don't buy into the fact that We have, yes, gone through pain. Yes, gone through struggle. Yes, there are giants. But if God be for us, who can be against us? But they had this mindset. We, in our own sight, were grasshoppers. And they're right. Because the way you see yourself is the way everybody else will see it. You ever wonder, you ever wonder why it's so hard to beat a champion? You know what? I'm going to tell you why. And you can, look at any, you can look at any sports team, dynasty. It don't matter if it was the Yankees or whatever, whatever you like. Whatever competitive event. Because life is basically a competitive event. But anything you want to look at, you, even when, if you want to... In fact, my boys were asking me about this recently. And they said, they said, Dad, how come the Florida State Seminoles keep winning? Because obviously there are other teams. This is college football. Obviously there are other teams that are better than them. But why do they keep winning? And they'll have them down by like three touchdowns. And they come back at the end of the game. I said, I'm going to tell you why. Because in their mind, they are champions. Good God, I feel the Holy Ghost even talking about college football. I don't know what they say at halftime. I don't know what goes on. But there's a mindset. We went undefeated last year. We're undefeated this year. And until that buzzer sounds and we are lower than the other team on the score, we are still the champions. And I'll tell you what, 
if you're going to be the champion, you're going to have to play all 60 minutes. You're going to have to beat them until the very last second is off the clock because they've got a mindset. We are, what would happen to the church of the living God if they got a mindset? We are champions! And the devil's not going to defeat us. The devil's not going to steal my children. The devil's not going to steal my marriage. The devil's not going to steal my finances. I am a champion. That's why Paul said, we are more than conquerors. Through him. Through him. You guys see how big the other team is? See how big their offensive line is? You see the scoreboard? Yeah, we got all that. We see all the same stuff the other side saw. Joshua and Caleb saw all the same stuff. But they had a different mindset. We're champions. Not because of what we've been through, but because of what we're fixing to go through. You see, God doesn't expect you to forget the pain of your past. He just expects you to live in the promise of today. We see all the same struggles. We see all the same issues. But we have a different mindset. Joshua and Caleb had a different mindset. And that's what the Lord was constantly trying to get the children of Israel to. That's why he said that. I'll make you the head and not the tail. You're not a grasshopper. You're a child of God. Joshua and Caleb were different than the rest. They didn't believe the lies that even their own minds would try to tell them. They refused to buy into this grasshopper mentality. They said, we can take the land. We are the children of God. Where did they get that mindset from? Joshua had been right by the side of Moses for all these years. He was ready. He didn't think like everybody else. Neither did Caleb. They were not naive. They saw. They knew. Same as the other ten spies. But they had a different mindset. The enemy wants to tell you that you're only a grasshopper. And it's only a matter of time that you will eventually go back to the sin that you were delivered from. You're going to be a slave again. The devil plays this over and over in our minds. Every single person walking in shoe leather. He plays this over and over in your mind. Eventually you'll just go back. Just a matter of time. You just wait. You need to tell the enemy that he's a liar. And that he's a father of liars. And that you are an overcomer. And if you've got to quote scripture until you get a different mindset, that's what 40 days in the word is all about. Because if I get in the book, some of y'all thought, well, it's just a 40 day campaign. I don't have to buy a book and I'm going to spend the $10. That's why you're struggling in life because you've got a grasshopper mentality. I've even seen in this talent offered. Somebody said, well, $20, how am I going to make $20 multiply? Because you see yourself as a loser. You see yourself as struggling all your life. And God is trying to tell you, I want to bless you. But you can't get away from grasshopper mentality. God never intended for you to live with minimum standards. God wants to bless you beyond your wildest imagination. But you got to change your mindset. I asked asked Brother Jerry Richardson, who was with us last week, when I was in Madagascar a few weeks ago. And I saw this when I was in Uganda. I saw it when I was down in the Amazon with Brother DeMerchant. And I've seen it in other third world countries, Kenya, so forth, so on. Haiti, same thing. And, I, and I, in fact, I decided I was going to ask about it because I started noticing everywhere I went in these third world countries, the people that were in the church had a higher standard of living than the people that were in the community. It was just obvious. Madagascar is the same way. Thousands of people. It wasn't just a small group of people. Thousands of people. And they were all different than people that were just living on the streets. 
People that you would just see. It's not like America where everybody's in cars, you don't really see each other. Out there, hundreds of thousands of people are just down on the street walking. Or pushing a wagon or carrying, you know, something off their heads and going to the market. So you see, you see a direct dichotomy between people that are in the church and people that are in the community. So I asked Brother Richardson, I said, Brother Richardson, why is it? And I've seen this in more than one country. I even said that when I was talking to Brother Richard. But I see it here again in Madagascar. Why is it that people in the church have such a different standard of living as people that are in the community? And he said to me, it's because of their mindset. He said they see themselves differently than the other people do that that don't know God. I said, what do you mean? How do they see themselves? He said, we've been here for over 40 years working with these people. It didn't start out this way. They started out telling us that they were too poor, they were uneducated, they'd never be anything, and they were just marking time. He said, we have spent years telling them, you are more than just another number. Another human being walking around with a set of circumstances and a set of troubling past that would intimidate any of us. You're more than that. You're a child of God. You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. He said, for years, we've been telling them, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He said, you know why these people are blessed? Because they see themselves as being blessed. They see themselves as being anointed. When they come to church, they expect to be healed. They expect to receive the Holy Ghost. They expect to have revival in their minds. This is the way it's supposed to be. What would happen if the first Pentecostal church in Palm Bay would get a mindset that every time we come together, there's going to be miracles. There's going to be the miraculous. There's going to be healings. You've got to change your mindset. You've got to change your mindset. You can't deny it. I can't deny it. You can't deny it when God steps in and performs the impossible. You can't stop it. You can't box it. You can't minimize it with traditions and laws. God challenges our thinking with the unexplainable. Now let me stop right there and say that because this is what happens to all of us. We think that God's got to give us an explanation first. And then we'll analyze it. And then we'll determine whether or not we will buy into it. Ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't require faith. That only requires logic. God's looking for some faith on the earth. Of course there's going to be sons of Anak and giants in the land. If there weren't giants, you'd try to take it on your own. But you're going to have to depend on God. And that's going to take some faith. Some audacious faith. Some crazy faith. A different spirit. So then God says, you might as well put everything on the table. Even all those things that you've taken off the table. All those prayers that you used to pray that you don't pray anymore. I challenge you in the Holy Ghost today to put them back on the table. I said put them back on the table. You've taken them off the table because of your fears and your misconceptions and the pain and the hurt of your past. I challenge you in the Holy Ghost. You need to put everything back on the table and walk out of this place today saying I am not a grasshopper. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you know what it is to call out to God. If you know what it is to get a hold of the hem of his garment. 
You can change everything around you. But the battle is right here. So God wants to decrease our preconceptions so He can increase our expectation. And those miracles that you secretly longed for, but you were embarrassed to even ask God for, I challenge you to stir the embers of that fire once again. Ask Him for big things. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in saying this. I said, ask Him for big things. It's time to think big. It's time to believe big. It's time to dream big. Anything is possible. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm an overcomer. Now to Him that is able to do immeasurably more. Good God, you can't even measure it. You can't even put it under a microscope. You can't even measure it to Him that is able to do immeasurably more than all we can either ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. It's working inside of you. To Him be the glory. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in chapter 3. So I believe that God wants to perform miracles that are out of order. Miracles that are out of season. Events that are outside of the statistical data. Something unprecedented. Something unpredictable. Something that gives hell a headache. number of years ago there was an old movie called honey i shrunk the kids you guys remember that it's about this inventor guy who made a super ray gun and it could shrink anything it accidentally went off and shrunk him and his wife and their friends and they were smaller than the blades of grass in their yard they were tiny tiny they had to worry about getting run over by the little wiener dog running around They had to worry about bees and insects. The grasshopper was a giant. Honey, I shrunk the kids. Everything was bigger than them. They were were so tiny. Every step was wrought with possible catastrophe. They were so little you couldn't even see them. That's the enemy. That's the movie he wants to play in your head. Honey, I shrunk the church. Yeah, that's the movie that's playing in hell's cinema. Honey, I shrunk the church. Anybody serving God? He's so small, they don't even matter. They're pipsqueaks. They're grasshoppers. Just keep your opinion to yourself. You don't matter. You're puny. You need to turn that movie off. Because you have watched and listened to that movie over and over and over and over again. Ladies and gentlemen, I remind you today that when it's all said and done and the dust clears, there's going to be one God on the throne. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the Word of God is going to stand forever. You need to turn that movie off. You need to play another movie in your mind called Honey, the Church Will Fly. You say, what's that built on? That's built on scripture. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up. Good God Almighty. It's time to mount up. You've been hovering down and hiding in the shadows. It's time to mount up. It's time to climb up on something higher than you are. 
It's time to get up on the promises of God's word and say in my own, I'm nothing. But with God, all things are possible. Come on, is there anybody in this building that's going to mount up? Mount up on wings of eagles. You can stand to your feet. I'm all done. If you don't like that one, maybe you can play this movie. Honey, I shrunk the devil. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell. Somebody needs to get a hold of some faces that are washing up in the Red Sea. And there ought to be a voice in your head that says, no longer am I going to live the tyranny of that addiction. But I declare myself today to be a child of God, washed by His blood, sanctified by His Spirit. I am not a grasshopper. But to believe God for these things, when we are all aware of our own weaknesses more than anybody, we are all our own worst critics. And then to believe God for some kind of a change in our mentality, it takes some audacity. You've got to get an attitude. No devil's going to come up in my house. Good God, you've got to get an attitude. No enemy, no spirit that is not of God is going to come up in this house and take my health and take my children and take my stuff without a fight. Come on, you gotta get a fight in your in your own bosom. You gotta get a fight in your own bones. You gotta get a fight within your own mindset. I'm not gonna go down without a fight. I'm gonna stand in the plate and I'm gonna swing. I'm gonna keep on believing. I'm gonna keep on calling on his name. Is there anybody that's ready to petition God for the impossible? People are already coming. Champions are stepping out from where they're standing and making their way down to this altar. All God needs is some folks that are crazy enough to ask Him for the sky. Ask Him for the impossible. Come on, can you believe that my God can do anything? Can you believe that nothing is impossible with God? You are blessed. Come on, that's it. Come on, get some audacity. Get something inside of your gizzard today. It says, I am more than a grasshopper. I said, you are more than a grasshopper. You're a champion. Finally, after 40 years of struggle, 40 years, an entire generation died off in the wilderness. Moses was dead. Joshua's in charge. An entire generation of people had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of their mindset. I ask you this question today. How long will you wander because of your mindset? Staying just outside of the promises of God. But when they finally took the land, Joshua's in charge. And they started dividing up all the land. They came to Caleb, who's an old man, that almost 40 years earlier had said, we can take the land. They said to to Caleb, what land do you want, Caleb? 
Caleb said, give me the mountain where the sons of Anak live. Good God Almighty. My God, I feel something inside of me I can't even express it. He believed when he was young and he still believed when he was old. I can take the land if I got to do it by myself. And when you read your Bible, Caleb by himself took all the sons of Anak and wiped them all out. You know why? Because Caleb said, I can do all things through Christ. He had the mindset of a champion. I can do anything. If God be for us, I can do anything. I feel faith like that in this house right now. I don't know what you may be struggling with. It may be something that was imprinted on you as a child. Maybe somebody told you you'd always be a loser. I come against that. I come against that mentality. I rebuke that spirit in the name of Jesus. I come against that spirit that says you'll always struggle and that you're a loser and you'll never be able to amount to anything. I come against that in the name of Jesus Christ. I don't know who's ever told you that, but I can promise you that God never told you that. And I stand before you today as an oracle of God to tell you this. You are a in Christ Jesus. And whatever you desire of God. The Bible said he openeth his hand. And satisfieth the desire of every living creature. If he cares about a squirrel running out here and getting an acorn. How much more so does he care about giving you what you desire. You say, Pastor, I've been praying for a while. Then keep on praying. Your mindset may have caused you to wander. But here you are back again on the brinks of the Jordan River. What are you going to do now? I said, what are you going to do now? Can you believe God for a healing? Can you believe God for something audacious, something that only God can do? I wonder right now, if people that are in this building, if you could begin to believe God for something that only God can do. I'm I'm challenging you this morning to turn loose with your faith and to begin to believe God for something that only God can do. Now, to even get to that prayer, you've got to change your mindset. And you've got to pray with expectation. Now, I know some of you are saying, God would never do that to me. I've gone through too much. I've, I've committed too many sins and mistakes. Let me tell you something. As the old song says, there's bigger sins than yours beneath the blood. Okay? It's time for you to quit beating up yourself over your past mistakes and all of your shame. You need to put that under the blood tonight, today. And you need to say, God, I believe you for the impossible. Come on, take up your shield of faith. Come on, take up the sword of victory and declare yourself as being a recipient of God's blessings. I want us to pray two prayers this morning. Two prayers. The first prayer I want us to pray, and I want us to pray this with tremendous victory. I want us to pray right now that God would change our mindset and that we would begin to believe Him for the impossible. I want you to pray right now and say, God, change my mindset. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a champion. I want you to pray that prayer. Would you do that? All over the building. Lift up your hands in your voice. Come on, you're going to have to take some initiative on your own. This is not something that we can direct from the platform. This is something that's got to be born within your own spirit. Pray it. Lord, I want a spirit like Caleb. 
I'm tired of wandering around thinking that you're not able. I'm tired of trying to serve in a world and in the midst of a mentality that says that God is impotent and He's unable. I've come to tell you today that my God can do anything. Come on, pray right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to give me faith. Faith to believe. For the impossible. This is going to take some warfare. Because you're battling up against years and years of traditional thinking. You're going to have to press on this a little bit. This is not something that's just going to come easily. You're going to have to push on this for a moment. Renew my mind, oh God. Come on, relinquish the reins of regret and get a hold of the healing power of God's Spirit.